Welcome to the J Train Podcast. This is J Train, Jared Freed, coming to you live from the quarantine cabin up in Harlem, New York City. We're here every Tuesday and Friday with your emails, your stories, your questions. I say it every episode. Let me say it again. Thank you for listening. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Keep, this is how, it, and, and listen, over the last couple weeks, uh, the world is strange and we have pivoted. We are a daily podcast now. I'm doing J-Train podcasts every Tuesday and Friday. I'm doing Freed by Noon podcasts every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So what do you have to do? All you have to just, all you have to do if you're listening right now is do what you've always been doing. Keep downloading, keep telling friends, keep telling a coworker. And if you're wondering, what more can I do? Well, get subscribed. It's on the same feed. I know it's a little confusing. Freed by Noon is a subsidiary of J Train Podcast. So you're going to get the same feed. It's just going to keep spitting at you every day as long as you're subscribed. We are on YouTube. Get subscribed on YouTube. Listen, there's not a lot of live content these days. And your boy, Papa JT, the Prince of Promos, the, you know, the, 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 uh, the Chancellor of Content, I, the Content King, I'm here. Okay, I'm going to be here for you every day on YouTube. I'm going to be putting out those videos, putting out those Instagram Instagram videos. Tag a friend. This is the time to share. We all you might have a month ago, you might have been like, I I don't want to put everyone's got their own thing. No, 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 no. Things have changed. Everyone wants new stuff to take their brain, put it on the shelf and then put in the Wizard of Ha, Jared Freed. Every day, J Train Podcast. And listen, thank you for sharing if you already have. Make it your Instagram story. I'm very excited about today's guest. Um, this is, I mean, in the world of coronavirus, again, I mentioned pivoting to every day. We're, we're off the reservation. We're making calls we never would have made a month ago because we're just seeing, we know people are at home looking for things to do. I want to introduce him. I'm very excited. Um, you know him from Curb Your Enthusiasm. You know him as Mocha Joe, Savario Guerra. Thank you for coming on. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. You're right. I'm, we're all getting strange calls, and yours was one of them. That This has got to be the strangest. Hey, Savario, I got <laughs> I got a guy. Freaking podcast. No. It's all good, man. I got a guy calling. He wants you to give dating advice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you didn't see that coming. No, I didn't see that coming. How's your Corona life right now? G- give us kind of a, you know, how what's changed for you? What's going on? Oh, man. Well, I live up in Rhinebeck, New York, so I'm in the woods uh, a bit. But, you know, it's quiet. I, we can, I can at least go out on my property. But it's the same as it is everywhere. You know, it's everybody's hunkered down and restaurants are closed and my daughter's school is closed. And we're just trying to stay are you doing? Are you doing teaching from home? Are you teaching your daughter? Have you turned into a teacher? No, no, I don't do that. No, that's a bunch of bullshit. No, we're not teaching. It's fucking vacation. You get two weeks, you take it. It's candy time. Yeah, I'm teaching her how to drink fucking americanos and smoke cigarettes. Love it. You're a good dad. Well, that is funny to think about. Good dad. I'm a good dad. Have an have an espresso, honey. <laughs> lots of espresso. Lots of walking out into the woods with your thoughts. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's your gym class, run around the trees. I, I, now it is funny that a lot of people are out there, like you know, they're they're there with a blackboard, two plus two, and you're like, you 
I remember when you drank six beers in in seven minutes. You you're not a teacher. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's not. It's just, I can't imagine what we'd be doing like if it was like when when my parents, you know, if this happened during you know when I grew up. My dad. He already sat at the table smacking me in the back of the head when I didn't know the math. What would he do now? Like, he, you know, <laughs> he punched the shit out of me. The <laughs> game would have been over. Now, Savario, Sav- I, I want to make sure I, I pump your tires enough. You're not just Mocha Joe. You've been doing roles all over Hollywood for years. I mean, like, you, you know, you've been, you were in, uh, I mean, you were in the show Becker, Shark Tale. NYPD Blue, Las Vegas, Lucky You, My Name is Earl. Oh, my God. Bad Boys, Bad Boys. Bad Boys, Bad Boys. That's right, man. Bad Boys, the original, not them them sequel shits. No, this is the, the real deal. What do you you know as as what what do you, what are your favorite roles like do people come up to you is has it changed from people yelling bad boys at you to now they're yelling Mocha Joe at you? Yeah, yeah, Mocha Joe's obviously to some you know this you know Curb is like you know Curb fans are like it's a cult you know they're not because they love it they're beloved yeah it- yeah there's nothing you can they they're a cult they love it and it, so that's you know now I'm like. I'm getting fuck you, Mocha Joe on the street. I get that a lot. Well, well, you know what's funny about with comedy? I think that happens with a TV show because Curb Your Enthusiasm is a quote unquote cool show. You know, you're a little bit funnier for knowing it. Right. And it's culture. It's a big, you know, it's a pop culture thing. It's like, and I've been on shows before, but never, I mean, I've been on great shows, but, but like, you know, you take a show like a sitcom, like Becker was in the top 10 for a, a long, you know, decent amount of time. And, you know, it scooted under the radar, but it was, you know, a good solid sitcom. But th- it's different than being on a, on a on a really cultural where the lines become, you know, phrases and, uh, you know, pop culture phrases. And everybody knows. I mean, so th- would you say this is unlike is this unlike anything you've really ever seen? Well, for me, yeah. I mean, I, I'm uh, as an actor, I've been, you know, I've been acting uh, over 30 years. So but Curb is like it's a, it's a phenomenon within itself. You could do I did one episode of Curb in season seven as Mocha Joe, just yeah. one. But for some strange reason, everybody thought I was on the entire season. And, and now and now I'm on it, you know, the 10th season, pretty much, you know, on the entire season. And it's even like it's it's just huge. People just cannot get enough of it. And it's crazy. Now I know Mocha. Not to make this a whole Mocha Joe episode, but I know it's based off of a real person. Yeah, I don't know. You know what? I, I just, so you never I met that person. Guy. No, I know there's a coffee guy who was on who says it was based on him, and I'm, I don't, I'm not, I'm not doubting him, because uh, he may have worked with those guys on the Seinfeld set or the Latin yeah. set. But I just know I came in. You know, when you work with Larry, and now he does this stuff. He doesn't. You don't get anything. Like the first time I went in, they just. He comes out. I knew Larry a long time. I never worked with him. I worked with him once early on the first television pilot I ever did. He came down and helped out on the pilot. Okay. But, but you know, I would see him around, but I'd never done Curb. And then they called and said, would you come in and, 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 and audition and read with Larry? And they just come out and they just give you a piece of paper. Larry gives you a piece of paper and he writes on it, you're, you're a coffee guy on the lot. I did you a favor. I didn't tip you and you're not happy. That's it. That's it. And and are you like is is there a you know that's improv obviously but like it's all improv and and but like you know Larry it's not like we know him from a world of improv he's like a writer you know type so is it different type of improv with him or do you like the one thing like like I love watching you with Larry but sometimes I'll see a character with him and you'll be like 
if it, you're like, I, I don't know if this is the way he thought it was going to go. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I, I talked to Larry about that once a long time ago when when I first did it. And I said, well, who who does the best on a show like this? You know, and pe- people would think it's comedian. But Larry said, no, it's not. It's actors, you know, because comics come in. They're trying to be funny. They're trying to top what he's saying. And, and they want to out punch him. Yeah. And I don't I mean, personally, I don't play that way because I just play. Mo- I play the character like in my real life. I'm witty and I can say funny things and I can give you. Sure. You know, like I, I can rank you out if I need to get, get on you. But I'm playing Mocha Joe. So I'm trying to respond just in character as him coming at me. But a lot of people try to top it and get laughs. Well, that's that's very in- that's very interesting for me to hear, because as a comic, you're keeping score a different way than maybe a comedic actor keeps score. And, you know, as a comedian, you know, I'm not a comic. People always people think I do stand up, but because I've done, you know, I do a lot of comedy, but yeah, I've never had. I respect comics. I wish, you know, I've never done it. It's, a, it's probably the most scary form of entertainment, you know, getting up there alone. But I, but I do notice that sometimes comics don't like to hear silence. So it's, it's difficult to kind of to get, say something and not hear anything back. You know, which propels you as a comic to go right into another one, you know, hoping to get another laugh. But in film, it's it's one of the when you're doing it with Larry, and Larry's fantastic. He's a really, especially this season, I've seen him really kind of even as an as an actor. Because this season's almost like a commedia dell'arte. It's really over the top and big and funny and and yeah, the bathrooms and the and the whole yeah thing. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's just but but he's so but he's so grounded in it and he believes it. And sure. he commits to it, you know, like a good actor should. And he commits to, you know, anything. And that's what puts it over. But uh, it, it's interesting because nothing's, like I said, nothing's written. You know, the scenarios are written, like there's structure to it, where we're going. Sure. But they'll just say, you know, okay, well, now you're Mocha Joe, you got a regular store, and Larry comes into the store. And now you have this, and, and you have a history of not liking each other. Yeah, well, we yeah. had it. We had a thing once, but he, he doesn't even cling on to. Pe- if you notice, Larry doesn't cling on to even what you do in the past. It, everything's its own thing. Like, I mean, like at one point he had Susie pregnant on the show. They never had a kid. You know what I mean? Like, and then the next season, there's no kid. You know what I mean? I never thought about that. You're right. Yeah, yeah he doesn't. He doesn't give a shit. Nothing connected to the season before. Or- so you, so it's more of a scene to scene. He just wants these scenes to be nailed. He's a master storyteller in the sense of structure and telling story and, and comedy, in my opinion. Yeah. He's just, he's genius the way he does it. But the other just say, okay, you know, I know who Mocha Joe is. He's Larry David. He, now you, you went from being a, a coffee guy on the lot, you opened up an actual store. And Larry's sure. Larry's, Larry. Larry's going to come in and let's see what happens. So he comes in, hey, how you doing? And then, of course, he starts being Larry and, and busting, you know, balls. And, and yeah. I'm like... You know, fuck you. Get the fuck out if you don't like the coffee. And then we go from there, and then and then each scene kind of just builds. And then you sometimes you kind of you do multiple takes, and you try different things, but you basically shape it, and then it kind of becomes the scene. Does he ever say like, "I like that one thing you did the first time. Bring that back." Yeah, he'll say, "Do that." He said, "Don't do that. Don't say that." He might say, "The great thing about it for me is the best gig I've ever had in 32 years of acting." This uh, is the I, best. Oh, this is, yeah, oh, definitely, without a doubt. I've worked with some great directors, but doing Curb for me has is the most exciting thing because there's so much freedom as an actor. You get to create yeah. the guy. They're not telling you don't, you know, don't, you can say anything. And if, you know, if they don't like it, they'll tell you, hey, that, don't say, see, they know the story where it's going. You don't. Yeah. So they'll say, hey, don't say, don't, like, well, I remember in, in the first episode, in the first season, the first time I ever did it, I said to Larry, look at my face, look at my face. I got, I got a wife and kids. 
because yeah. Jason, Jason Alexander's dogs, they chase me and they beat and they 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 bite me, you know. And and uh, and he said, uh, "No, I love it, don't, but don't say you got a wife and kids." That's all. That's, that's, just don't take it away from kids. Yeah, well, it, it's interesting because in that atmosphere, there would be I would I would assume that I would get a little nervous, like, oh my god, I could make the wrong wrong choice. Yeah, but he's never he's never it's never from a place of no one. I, it's the best show ever ever worked on because from top to bottom, it's the most amazing experience. The crew is great, the makeup people are great, the hair people are great. I mean, it's just you know, and it starts with Larry. Larry's such a really beautiful. He's the captain of the ship. Oh, and he's just, he, there's no, there's no, look, there are no dickheads. You know, there are yeah. no assholes on the show who make it fucking miserable to be there. That's good to hear as a fan, because you want whatever you're a fan of to be cool people, good people. I mean, it appears to me that he doesn't put up with that kind of stuff, you know, yeah. and it's a very pleasant, everybody, I mean, that's my experience. I've never been treated better than the people who on Curve. They were very, very generous to me. And I was honored that Larry called me, you know, asked me back and gave me such a big storyline this year. I, I mean, it's, I never, when I did it the first time, season seven, you know, it appeared like it was a one-off character. I sure. don't forget, I haven't been on Curb because Larry takes so much time to make episodes, uh, seasons. Yeah. I was in season seven. Yeah. And now this is season 10. How long ago was that? Eight years. That's crazy. That's crazy. And now eight years later, they call me up and go, hey, Larry, we want you to do, I got a call from the producers to my manager and say, hey, it's available around Larry." wants him to do he's doing a new season of curb and he wants him to do uh two or three hours you get that call are you like this is bullshit this is crazy or are you i get it from my man they go we don't know when it's happening but larry wants you to do two or three so yeah. i go what do you say uh, uh, uh yeah great uh, let me know we had no dates we didn't know when they were doing it they just said is he around I'm yeah. like, well, yeah, I'm working. I'll be, I'm around now. I don't know if I'll be around when you do it, but, but we say, yeah, of course. We would love to be back on. Who wouldn't want to be back on Kurt? Of course. And then, and then a, a couple of months go by, and I get an, another call from the producers, and they say to my manager, "Hey, Larry needs Severio for four or five episodes." Now, 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 there's a lot of people right now that are singing at home, and their job is up in the air. You minus. I mean, uh, this is the but this is kind of a lifetime of this. This is thirty years in the business. Uh, Things shut uh, down, you know, like it's a be- it's like in a like. I mean, it's not about me, but I mean, like now you got but, but, things are rolling and everything's shut down. I, but I'm sure people are looking towards. You know, there's people that had more consistent jobs than you or I may have. Where you're saying this is the reality of kind of a life you've lived for thirty years. What do you think is the best? W- w- right. Yeah, of course. It's a, it's feast or famine in my business. I mean, unless you get to the point where you're fucking Tom Hanks, and then it's not feast or famine anymore. And then things change. But do you have like any best practices for keeping a good mentality? For because there's people looking for this advice right now, and this is an advice-driven show. I just think you got to stay focused. You got to set goals. You got to stay. I mean, I've always been a. I've always been sort of like. I know what I want to do and I know how I got to do it. And I say, well, why am I not getting what stopped me from getting what I want now? And I try to figure out what that is. And I do the opposite. And I, I never changed my goals. I changed my approach, but yeah. I never changed, never changed the goal. I, the goal is the same is to be, is to be what I've always been a working actor to work, to be, to do great work, to be, you know, I love what I do. So I just go, okay, well, what's happening now? Okay. Now it's coronavirus. What stopped me from doing it? Well, the business is shut down. Well, what can I do? Well, I can continue to, 
you know, promote curb. I can write. I can I can create ideas. Like you know, I I can I can do things outside of. I can prepare. I, I can be ready and absolutely ready for when the business comes back to life. For sure. You know, that kind of stuff. I mean, other than that, you do. You know, in a situation like this, is odd in a weird way. It's always up and down for actors, but this is a. Other than you know, the last time, other than the writer strike was the last time it only like it affected us, where the writer strike yeah. killed us. But this is killing everyone, and I don't know. You know, I, you know, I just hope it's quick, over quickly for everyone, so we can all kind of get back to work. But, for but sure. I mean, as far as we understand it, not in this, and we we kind of, you know, people who work a nine to five job and need that check every week. That's yeah. it's yeah. you know they they're hurting more than 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 a lot. Of, and a lot of people who you know have a, who got some cash in the bank who can write it out, but of course, and this you know it's more the mentality. That's why you know because like when you're going for you know you know auditioning for things, you don't you know you don't know Larry David's coming, you know eight years from now after one episode, you have no idea. Uh, and let me tell you something, Larry David saved my life. I'll say that in public, and I got no problem with saying it. He saved my life. When Larry called me, I was like, I wasn't working. Things were shitty. Really. Yeah, I had nothing out. I had nothing coming out. I wasn't, nothing was coming my way. And I'm going to, I swear to God, I'm not lying when I said this. I was taking a shower, as crazy as it sounds, one day. And I, and for some strange reason, curve popped into my head. And I thought, and I kept thinking, of, and I was thinking about that ep- season seven and, and that episode that I did it. And I'm thinking about, oh, wow, this could have been funny. And maybe I could have said that as an actor. Yeah, I go yeah. back and I'm like, oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden, I swear to God, it was New Year's Eve, uh, January 1st, uh, New Year's Eve, celebrated New Year's Eve. Uh, New Year's Day came around a couple of days into the new year. Uh, is when my manager called me and said, hey, uh, good news. Uh, Kirby Enthusiasm called. They said they're doing an season 10. Mm. And my manager said, why is, why is this important news for you? Because Larry wants you to do the new season. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I mean, he really did. I mean, he doesn't. Did your did your manager have to do a whole production? <laughs> That's, your manager did a whole production. Yeah, like send me the email. Hey, uh, Kirby, and this is why it's good news for you. Why don't you say it? And why is this good news for you? Because they've asked you. They got to. They got to earn their ten percent. Yeah, get get to the cough it out. Hey, tell me I got the friggin' job. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm. But then it didn't happen for a long time. Okay. Then we, 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 they, they said, Larry, we need you for two or three. And then they called back and said, he need you for four or five. And then they called back and said, he need you for six or seven. And then they called back and said, he need you for all 10 episodes. And, you know, the producer told me later and they said, Larry, you know, you're writing all this stuff for Severio, but we got to see if he's even available. And he's like, no, worry. He's available. He'll, he'll, he'll do it. I promise. We'll get him to do it. You know, he was, he was confident that I would, that I would do it. And, uh, and, you know, nobody, he didn't have any idea. I mean, you know, like we were talking about the ups and the downs. It was just sort of a slow time for me. Sure. And to get that call was like, holy shit. And then we, we were set to do it. And my plane ticket was booked and my hotel was booked. And they, they, they were supposed to fly me out. And I got a call about a week before we were supposed to start shooting that they had to postpone it. And, uh, and uh, they had to postpone it for, I think, a, a month or two months. For some other, for some reason, somebody got sick, and uh, and so it wasn't well. And then so I had to wait another two months, and then they finally, then we finally went out, and then we started shooting. And JB Smoove, uh, uh, punctured a lung playing basketball. Oh my God! So we lost JB in the middle of it, and he had to leave. So I finished shooting, came all the way home, and then had to go back and shoot all my stuff with JB and Larry. 
So now you you used to be L.A. for 15 years and you moved back to New York five years ago. Yeah, I, was, I moved to New L.A. in 1996 and I was there for 17 years and we moved back about five years ago. What brought you back? What, what, what about New York? Uh, it's my home, you know. I'm born yeah. and raised here and, you know, L.A., I don't know. I never intended to live out there forever. I love, it's fine. I like it. But my, my, I had a kid. My daughter's 13 and I wanted her to be closer to my mom and dad and, you know, family stuff and I wanted to be here. What's the acting world like from here? Is it? Do you, are you looking towards Broadway more? Do you look towards? You know, no, is it? No, it's different now than when I went out to LA. In '96, I went out to LA because there was there was like two shows I think that shot here, you know. And the business was really. I mean, you had your business here. You you auditioned for stuff here, and you had the theater, and you had some movies, and you had television, but not like you have now. Now there's like, I think there's 42 shows that shoot in New York City. That's crazy. So, yeah, really crazy now. So like here is just as busy as it. There's no. Uh, it really doesn't stop you living here or L.A. It really isn't an issue, you know, well, for me so, anyway. Savario, I'm so pumped to have you here. I, I, are you ready to do some emails? Let's do it. Let's do it. So jtrainpodcast at gmail.com, jtrainpodcast at gmail.com. We're here with Savario Guerra. So excited to have you here. How do I deal with my loud neighbor? Okay. J Train, loving all the new content. Bought my tickets for DC Improv in June. Feather, feather. We'll hope this happen. That happens. Issue: I work from home primarily, or a meeting with customers on site. I work from home primarily, or a meeting with customers on site. Working from home full time for the next few weeks. I've realized my new neighbor is playing music and movies very loudly. There's a lot of bass. I live in the in an apartment. I accepted the potential risk of this kind of thing when I signed the lease. Apartments have turnover all the time fine i'll wear headphones during work hours but they're also going after midnight and it's affecting my sleep how would you handle this do i walk over and just be a normal person hey i'm so sorry to bring this up would you mind two write a short note and leave it at their door three mr heckles broomstick maneuver on the side of the wall ultimately i just don't want to create an awkward situation anytime we pass each other thanks one love what do you think uh savario uh, I would not do the broomstick on the ceiling because that's just going to make it worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would, I would do a nice note just saying, hey, you might not realize, just a neighbor, I didn't want to make a big thing about it, but you might not realize that your, your, your television and your music is a little loud, and, it, and I'm trying to work at home during these crazy times, so if you could you know, lower it, that'd be great. I totally, totally agree, agree with you, and, and I love this email because, because it's a good, good like, man. And if they don't listen, knock on the door punch him yeah, in the face. Well, I, I love this email. So you... So you then you then you drop the hammer and you go to violence. Yeah, and yeah. you go to violence. Violence is like three steps away. I agree with you. I would say there's a great email because it's a great metaphor for what's going on right now. You know, there's people that are like at the beach and not a you know abiding by social distancing. Yeah. And it's like that. I, I I think there's a big difference in going online and saying, look at these fucking idiots in Florida. And then there is calling your cousin who's deciding on whether or not to go on spring break. Like there's a huge difference. The, the letter on the door gets read in the voice they give to you. It's not the voice you wrote the letter with. So I think that's very important because during times like these where we do have to kind of Look at your neighbor and say, "Hey, cover your nose." You know, like it, it's, it's the last thing anybody needs now is anybody knocking on their door. You know, so you, you know, this is the thing we. So I think if you went to this guy and talked to them, that's the best maneuver. 
You go and you say, hey, um, I don't mind wearing headphones during the day. I don't know if you work in music. You can even make the excuse for them. I, you might work in music and need to do it during the day. But after 11 p.m., I'm just going to ask that you turn it down or, you know, we go to a soft, you know, we figure out a level that works for both of us. It's all workable, man. I just had the same situation in Brooklyn where I live before I moved up to Rhinebeck with the woman above me who just nonstop, you know, but it turned out she was, she screamed all day and yelled all day and banged all day and music and the TV really loud. But, you know, when I talked to my doorman, he was like, look, she's got, you know, she's sick. She has, she's getting like chemotherapy or radiation. Oh, and we, and like, so, you know, what we go, well, I don't want to knock on the door and help, you know what I mean? So we, we just put up with it because we knew she was in a bad place. Yeah. And it just got became comical like we all have to sleep we all have to take my we have to take my daughter out of her room and we all have to sleep in our bed my bedroom because or the opposite no we have to sleep in my daughter's bedroom because the woman's bedroom was directly over my wife and i so we all went to my daughter's bedroom because it was just not stop 24 hours a day you turned into the grandparents from willy wonka yeah and i felt bad knocking on her door because i knew she was sick and having the worst time of you know she was in a bad place and i thought well the last thing she needs is me knocking on her door sure but you know the way you got to that is to find out through the doorman like the doorman looks at you and goes Hey man, you know it doesn't happen through bang, bang, bang on the on the door. No, I had, well, that's what I asked the doorman. I said, "Look, because I had just been new to the building, and I said, look, yeah. is, this normal, is this normal business for this woman, or is she going through something?'" He goes, "No, man, she's so sick. Uh, she she's the second time, you know, she had cancer and it came yeah. back." So then I didn't do anything. I never, you know, she was always generous and kind to me in the hallways, but in her apartment, she just screamed at everyone. She had caretakers. But that's the thing. We only know half the story, and the story we're creating in our head is the attack story. It's the they're trying to get me, and it's like, no, man. If you go to that, if you go to that per neighbor, they go, oh my god, I didn't. They even might not realize. even realize that. They might not. Look, people don't know how loud the music sounds in the apartment next to them because they're not in your apartment. Exactly, and they might be hard of hearing. Like I, people always get mad at me for screaming, and I'm like, yeah, I have had headphones in my ears my whole life, and I think I've done my ears uh, uh, up uh, like a disservice. Yeah, me too. My wife tells me all the time, Savilio, I'm, I'm married 32 years. Stop yelling. Stop yelling. <laughs> One, you know, I'm Italian. It's, it's impossible not it's in to, you. you know. But all, no, but all, all kidding aside, my, I grew up, my father was deaf. I, I grew up with a deaf father. So everybody yells in our house. Ah, that will see then the more you talk about it, the more empathy you get. My mother never admitted that my father was deaf. No, I mean, uh, legally deaf. My father, he read lips, but my mother just refused. You know, he had a little bit, a little bit of hearing in one ear, but he was completely deaf in the other ear. And then the other ear went out. So he was completely deaf. Mm. But my mother, my mother would just refuse to accept the fact that he was deaf. So she would insist that he would just not paying attention or listening to her. We all accepted it because, you know, that's what the doctors told us. My mother <laughs> yeah. was like, he hears me, he hears me, he hears me. <laughs> she, no, he doesn't hear you. Using it as an excuse. Yeah, yeah, he hears me. He's just ignoring me. No, my, he's, he's actually deaf. Jtrainpodcast at gmail.com. Jtrainpodcast at gmail.com. We're here with Savario Guerra. He's going to be in The Last OG, April 7th on TBS. He's also going to be on Hightown, which is on Stars, coming out in the spring. So get involved with what Savario's doing. Also, Curb, the season finale, it's coming. So if you watch, we this is going to come out. We're not sure when this is going to come out, but it's going to come out at some point, uh, either before or after the finale. But if you got HBO Go, all that stuff, go watch it, go stream it. Wedding canceled due to COVID-19. Ooh. 
J Train, longtime listener, poop talk feathered. You get it. My wedding was supposed to be this Saturday. Now, due to the coronavirus, we've had to postpone to 2021. So, thankfully, we are already paid for everything and our vendors are fine with rescheduling, but now we have a year to sit and wait. What is the best way to stay positive, especially when this weekend comes? What do you think, Savario? Well, you know, you get an extra, you get an extra year to you know, make sure you're making the right decision. Sure. How long have you been married? I've been uh, 32 years. 32 years. Yeah, yeah. And and what do you? 23 when I met my wife. She was 25. How'd you guys meet? We met in uh, in uh, Greenwich Village at the White Horse Tavern on Hudson and Eleven. Really? What a what a like a significant place. That's out of a movie. I used to be a bartender there. I used to attend bar there. Yeah. Wow. So you meet at the bar. What does she say to you? How did that? How did that get started? Oh, that's a long, crazy story. We met. I had. I would see her outside, walking back and forth once in a while, taking her laundry to the laundromat, and I just noticed her. And I used to work outside. And then one day, some guy robbed some a twenty dollar bill off an out, out off the table at the outdoor cafe, and I chased him. And uh, we got yeah, we got into a fight. We got into like an, in a hallway in a, an apartment building. We start beating the shit out of each other, and we you know, and I'm able to get him and drag him out the door and drag him into the street. And we're fighting, and he hits me, and it gives me a shot above my eye, and I'm bleeding above my eye. He rips my shirt off, and then I, the cops come, and I turn around, and I'm bleeding, and there's this girl with a grocery bag that I've been admiring and wanted to get to meet, and there she is, standing right in front of me, and I'm bleeding, come and I don't on. have a shirt on, and I look like a lunatic. Yeah, it's a funny story. This is, th- that story is out of Goodfellas. What is that? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then I go, and I go, hey, how you doing? <laughs> She's like, uh, hey, how, you know, she'd see me standing outside because I was sure. the doorman. I, I, I was the doorman. Yeah, I, I was the doorman and I was the bartender. And then uh, I said, why don't you come up to the bar for a drink? But I'm literally, I'm bleeding. I don't have a share. Yeah. And she's like, I got to put my groceries away. And she runs away and leaves. And I'm like, oh, shit, I screwed up, man. This girl I've been trying to meet. And then she sees me at my worst. And I went back to the bar and I said, oh, you know. That's that. And then about an hour later, she came walking into the White Horse and it to see if I was okay. Wow. I mean, this is the story that there's. And then that's and it's just you guys meet then and have a drink and then came to the the bar. I put a new shirt on. I put a bandaid on my head. And then uh, and then I I, I said, well, I mean, now's as good a time as any. I asked her if she would go to the movies and out to dinner with me. And she said that she would only go to a movie uh, in case I was a lunatic. (laughs) In case there's some guy who fights in alleys. Right, just yeah. a movie. There's people around, but yeah, uh, that's it. And then uh, I took her to the movies on uh, on Monday night, and uh, I moved in with her. I, the next day, uh, mon- I took her to the movies on a Monday, and uh, on Friday that week, I moved in with her. Friday that week? Yep. Saturday. The next day, I opened up a joint checking account at Republic National Bank. On a come on, stop it. What made you move that quick? What was it about, or or what was it about the situation? I was 23 years old and I was still living with my parents. And oh, yeah, this is, you are Italian. Yeah, I'm Italian. I was living with my mom and dad. Uh, You're like, I got, I got a new person to do my laundry. And, <laughs> and I went to, uh, I was, uh, you know, studying acting. I was, I was t- taking acting classes and working around. And I had gotten a job on a soap opera on all my children. I'd gotten like a couple of lines on all my children. And, and I was going to shoot it on Columbus Avenue, 67th Street at ABC. Mm-hmm. So I took her out to dinner on Monday. And uh, I was working on, uh, I was working, it was, a, uh, it was a Thursday. 
I had a job. I was going to work on uh, Friday. That Friday, I was going to work on all my children. So I called. I, I called her up at the date. And we were talking. It was and it was Thursday. It was Thursday afternoon, and we're talking. And I told her I was going to work on all my children. And she said, "You know, I was in Brooklyn. My parents were in Bensonhurst, and I had to go to ABC." She said, "Well, if you want, you can come. If you want to come stay at my apartment, and then so you'll be close to Manhattan. You can go to the studio the next day." So, so I packed my bags and I went to her apartment on Thursday night. Yeah. And I slept on the couch. And when she got, I got up, she was gone and she went to work. So I went to all my children and did the thing. And she gave me a key to come back and get my stuff. And when I came out of all my children, I was like, well, what do I do? I go home. Or I go? So I went back to her place. I cleaned the place. I went shopping. I cooked the dinner. And when she came home, she was like, what the fuck are you doing? I said, I cleaned the place. I, I'm making food and, and we're cooking. And that was it. We, you made yourself useful. I knew, I knew. I knew the night I took her out that she was the woman I wanted to spend my entire life with. I just knew it. This is the most amazing. This story sounds like we just went into like black and white and it's like from another time. And then Saturday I get up. That I swear to God, I'm not lying. Saturday I get up and I go to Republic National Bank and I open a joint check account and I bring the papers home and I say, here, you got to sign this. <laughs> he says, sign one. I thought I opened up a joint checking you know, bank account for us so that, you know, she goes, what are you crazy? I just met you. I said, listen to me. It won't be easy, but it'll be worth it. Just sign this. <laughs> well, this story, I mean, I hope you don't tell your daughter this story. She's going to be set up for failure. This is like, there's a girl out there who's, who's texting with a guy who's on the toilet right now. And you just told the most romantic story. This is like when Harry met Sally type shit. And then that was it, man. And we, we've been together 32 years. Every day, and and your wife. I mean, what does she do? Did did she in the business? When I met my wife's an artist. She's a painter and a sculptor and a and a graphic designer. But when I met her, she worked for Duran Duran, the rock group. Oh wow! So that's why I would see her in Greenwich Village once in a while. Then I wouldn't see her for like a couple of months, and then I would see her doing a laundry, and then I wouldn't see her for like three months. And she was on. They were doing world tours at the time, so she did two world tours with Duran. So she's lived in every country twice. I mean, would you? Oh, oh sorry. I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, go ahead. Then I would just see her in the neighborhood while I was outside working at the White House. And, you know, I admired her, but I never didn't have the guts to talk to her until that day when I got into the fight. Do you consider yourself a romantic? I mean, this is a very romantic thing you did. Cooking the dinner, cleaning the apartment. I guess. I just, I just, uh, we went out to dinner. We went out to the movie. I took her to the movies. And after the movies, I asked her if she'd want she wanted to get something to eat. She said, yes. Yeah. So I said, right, I knew things were going well because... First, she said she would only go to the movies with me. So now I took it again. But I knew when we were eating, we went to the Chelsea Commons on, on in, in it's not even there anymore, in Chelsea on the 11th or 12th Avenue. Uh, and I just knew. I just knew that this was the person I wanted to, you know. So what would you do for your wife in a situation like this? You know, you have a guy who's the weddings, you know, money has been, you know, they've they've got the rescheduled dates. I'm sure they've had a moment that they've like, had to mentally adjust to their new wedding date, new wedding time. What should he do this weekend? Now it's this weekend's coming up. It should have been their wedding weekend. What should he? Uh, you know what? I got to be honest with you. Everything's set. If you love each other, you know, look. The... It's going to work out. You're getting married. It's not a bit, you know, like. The party's canceled. So, yeah. And it's not canceled. It's postponed. So, you know what? Enjoy it. You know, enjoy your time together. Do something. Maybe you do like. 
maybe you do something sweet like you have your own little mini wedding with the stuffed animals watching you. Like maybe there's a little yeah, like do you know because I think you're you cook a beautiful dinner and 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 you and you and you say this was the weekend we were supposed to get married and you have and you celebrate two anniversaries, you know? Yeah, I I think you make something out of it. I my I, wife and I celebrate we celebrate the anniversary of our first date. That's our You do? Yeah, that's our first, that's our real anniversary. Yeah. So, so these guys, I think for him, that's a good lesson. Like now it's your story is now your story and you get to now, now tell it for the rest of your life. This is a gift. Right. We were supposed to get married on this weekend. And so you celebrate that anniversary. That's your actual anniversary. And then that's you what we, do. I celebrate, we celebrate, we celebrate our first date. And then we got married. Uh, we eventually got married on, uh, we got married how many years later? I don't know how. We got married because we ran out. We got married because we ran out of things to do in Los Angeles. We just didn't know what the fuck to do. Well, the first date's probably the more important date to you. Oh, without a doubt. I can't even. We got married on April twentieth, and later realized it was Hitler's birthday. That's a whole other story. <laughs> but <laughs> it was so. Some, I think Ted Danson said that's Hitler's birthday. I said, "Why are you gonna fucking tell me that?" Just ruined your ruined my fucking yeah. wedding day. Just yeah. ruined my wedding. So we don't really celebrate it. <laughs> no, tough to celebrate. <laughs> yeah, I I think to this guy. Right now, consider you have to consider all curveballs a gift. You got make your wife a beautiful dinner. Yes, however you could do it. Maybe you repropose. Maybe you do something special. Get creative. Get and then what you do, you make sweet love to her. You touch her all over. Cause it's your wedding night. It's your wedding night. Make her listen. Uh, you know, Severio and I will allow for you to have sex with your wedding for the uh, wife for the first time. Yeah, if you're waiting, don't wait. Don't wait. Now it's over. You did it. You made it. Especially with this coronavirus, you don't want to wait. <laughs> J Train Podcast at gmail.com. J Train Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, should I try to get my ex back? I'm writing you because I value your advice. My ex-boyfriend told me he loved me for the first time, then a week later broke up with me. To be fair, it wasn't a clear-cut phone call breakup. He said, I'm not sure about this relationship. I'm afraid we don't see, want the same things. I said, are you trying to break up with me? He said, I, can I please sleep on it? I hung up the phone and said I didn't want to be with someone who had to think about it. I acted angry. I know something you advise against. Should we uh, should have started listening to you in November? Well, I wouldn't get it so hard. Uh, be so hard on yourself and and quote me too hard. And said you literally just told me you love me. Then you pulled this. He said I'm sorry you didn't deserve this. I said never speak to me again. Now four and a half months later, I'm seeing that maybe I shouldn't have gotten so angry. I do want uh, what he wants, marriage, kids, babies, etc. At the time, I did not. Is it worth reaching out to reconnect? I had a lot going on at the time. It was probably a very closed-off girlfriend, but I'm ready. What do you think, uh, Savario? It's a lot of information. <laughs> Sorry. Basically, the story here is they had a fight over the phone, and she said, are you breaking up with me? He said, can I sleep on it? She said, you shouldn't have to sleep on it. And then four to five months later, she's thinking maybe I was too hard on him. Does she go back? Yeah, you just got to go with your heart on these things. You know, I, I think I will say this. I believe that anything that starts in a negative in a negative cannot end in a positive. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. Starting from a place of negativity, it's very difficult to turn around 
and make it end positive. You know, then if you go to work and you're fucking pissed off and you don't want to be there and you're and you're and you're thinking how shitty it's going to be the minute you get there, you're probably going to have a shitty evening. Yeah, you're right. I've had that situation happen. I, I and I've done it in my own head. You know, meetings, auditions where you just go. Well, you let one little thing throw you off, like they, you know, you're waiting too long, or or the fucking cab driver, the cab driver's taking, or the subway stops, and you and you got to keep it at a certain level, but you let all that outside shit get to you, and it becomes a negative. You take it in the room, and it just becomes it becomes a, a shit fest. Yeah, I think the problem, and I agree with you completely, and I think the problem with um with these breakups that aren't just. It would almost be easier if he said, I hate you. I never want to speak to you again. We're broken up. Exactly. Let me sleep on it. I don't know what that's. About. Yeah. Well, because she's lit. She is. She is grabbing on to the 1% chance of positivity in a 99% world. Yeah. You know, and also people want an answer. You have to understand something. Some, also, people want an answer. Like, yeah. Are you yeah. breaking up with me? She wants an answer to that. And he doesn't want to give her an answer. He wants to sleep on her. So sometimes you can force people to give you, you know, because you want to hear what you want to hear. But sometimes you can force people to give you, you know, an answer before they're ready to give you an answer. Well, also and it you, ends up being a really shitty answer. You can also force someone to give you the answer that feels better to you in the moment and then isn't the one they wanted to give. We're saying the same thing. Exactly. He may want to give you a different answer if he sleeps on it. You know, I'm like that. I'm very like kind of now oriented with like my wife and I will argue. And I'm like, well, we're going to we're going to we're going to freaking we're going to get this done now. We're going to argue. We're going to figure it out. We're going to come full circle. Got to have it. She's like, I just don't want to talk anymore. I got to sleep. I want to go to I want to sleep on it. And we'll talk about it in the morning. And I'm like, no. So we come from different places like that Mm because I don't want to go to bed mad. I want to work it out. I want, you know, and she doesn't. And I've learned to respect to say, look, she's not ready for that. But you know what? Because that makes me feel better when we work it out quicker. The but difference. it's not about me. But it's not about you. It's about us. It's a, you know, but the difference in that situation with you and your wife is that she wakes up and she has the conversation with you to fix it out. This guy, four to five months later, you've had a phone for five months. You've had a. He, he said, let me sleep on it. And then he didn't call up for four or five months. I hung up the phone, said I didn't want to be with someone who I had to think about it. I acted angry. He said, I'm sorry you didn't deserve this. I said, never speak to me again. Five months later, he, he there's, he, if, if he wanted to make this happen. Well, he did say, I never want to speak to you again. So, you know, sometimes well, people, that's the other thing. Sometimes people take you at your word, even when you don't, when, you know what I mean? When you don't mean it, you know. Maybe, and also to me, when someone, when someone who says they love you, Here's I don't want to speak to you again. If they actually love you, they will speak to you within five months. So, <laughs> without a doubt, bring me back to my original comment, which is nothing in a negative ends in a positive. Exactly. Exactly. You might need, you might need to take the you might need to take this and you know put a positive spin on it and and dye it your own color and and make this work for you because who who doesn't call for it's not what's gonna this ain't this ain't the guy i i think a lot of times guys are really good at seeming emotionally unintelligent like we're really good at like faking it so when you say so all this time he's faking being emotionally unintelligent and then you go never speak to me again and that's the one time he's gonna listen to every word that you said and it's like now you're trusting in the, oh, now he, well, maybe he he really didn't want to speak to me again. It's like, no, you can't have it both ways. 
Right, exactly. No, you're right. I don't like this guy. Yeah, I'm with you now. Uh, I, she's got to move on. It's, I'd move on. She's lonely. She's not lonely for him. Podcast at gmail.com. Podcast at gmail.com. Here with Savario Guerra. So pumped to have you here. Everyone needs to go watch him on The Last OG, April 7th, High Town for Stars. That's coming this spring. Um, so let's read this one. This is a tough one. I'm bringing tough ones to you, Savario. I think you. Well, have... I don't know why. I guess I can handle it. Yeah. No, but you got you have a sensibility. Also, you're a romantic, so I believe in you for these ones. Okay, so ready for this one? Hey man, they told me this was a sports show. I mean, I don't know. What's that? I said they told me this was a sports show. Yeah. <laughs> we get to the Yankees later. Okay, ready. This is a, my brother in my bed on my birthday. What? J Train, love your show. Saw you in Philly. Shout out to my friend Shauna, who turned me on to the podcast Feather Feather. Two years ago, my friend slept with my brother in my bed on my birthday. Okay. Happy birthday. <laughs> yeah, <happy> <laughs> yeah got a surprise. This would normally be weird, but she had a boyfriend of already two years at the time. Making it weirder, yeah, okay. Yeah, so slept with her brother in her bed on her birthday while having a boyfriend of two years. At the time, I didn't want to get too involved, but I told her that I think she should reconsider the relationship. I thought they'd eventually break up, but they still are together, and she hasn't told them. I told her last year that she should tell him, and she basically said no and for me to keep quiet. She's distanced herself from me and forgets to invite me to group events sometimes. We're an extremely tight friend group of six girls since college, and it gets weird. At this point, I don't know what to do when he proposes because I don't want to be in the wedding. I've told two girls in the group of the six, and they have the opposite advice. And they have opposite advice. Wondering what you think I should do. Do I confront her again? Do I tell the boyfriend... Uh, do I stop being just stop being friends with her altogether? I normally don't give a shit about whether or not people cheat on their significant others. You do you, right? This just feels personally because it was my brother in my bed on my birthday. Any advice is appreciated. Come back to Philly sometime. What do you think? I mean, first, I mean, when the, when the, I mean, it's hard, difficult to mind your business on that one, which is essentially what the friend said to her because it's just like you had sex with my brother in, in my bed. It's totally your business. You know, it's already her business. Yeah, I agree with that. I think... That's a tough one. Well, I think the answers are a lot of times in the email, Savario, because I, I, I read this, and to me it's two different issues. You have a friend that had sex with your brother on your birthday in your bed. So you've mentioned those... When she writes that those details three different times in an email... I know that that is personally offensive to her. Well, yeah, no offense. The only thing I don't hear in the email, I don't, the, the brother never gets mentioned. I mean, yeah. that's a violation on the brother's part. Well, that, that is true. Your brother, ex, that's a good point. Be, beca on your birthday. Happy birthday. So, I, happy birthday to you. Just him singing, singing in the bed. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. I don't think the brother should be off the hook here. No, but I, I, but that, that's kind of more to my point that I, I, I wanted to bring up is that 
she's mixing being feeling fucked over by her friend with her friend fucking up her relationship. The relationship with her boyfriend, her cheating on her boyfriend really isn't your problem. It, it, it as as shitty as yeah, that your sounds. Problem is your, your problem is she's having sex with your brother and you're bad. Exactly. Cheating on a boyfriend is not really your problem. Like you said, she says in the email, it's nobody's business to you know do your thing. Well, you know, I don't have a problem with you doing your thing if you didn't do your thing in my bed with my brother. Exactly. My well, when she does her thing, the thing is she's trying. It feels that she was personally offended by fucking in her bed with her brother. But and you're using you're weaponizing her other relationship where she cheated as a way to get back at that friend. I think you need to separate the two. You need to have a conversation with your friend that you are still upset that she would take advantage of you and your living space and your birthday in that way. Exactly. That's what I think it's about. You can't be passive aggressive and make it about the cheating. It's really about your friend violated your space with with the family member. Both her friend and her brother violated her space. Both of them need us talking to. The 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 boyfriend that she cheated on, that's not your problem. And what it does when you bring up the boyfriend that she cheated on, you sound like you're the bitter person that's trying to get back at them. And you put the person who you put the person who actually is is, you know, for lack of a better term, guilty here on the defensive. Like yes. she feels like she's got like the, now the friend feels like she's actually got something to defend her actions. Yeah. No. Say, hey, you had sex with my brother in my bed in my house on my yeah. birthday. And I know it feels like I'm ho- and I know it feels like I'm holding on to that subject, but it really offended me that you would literally not care about our friendship that much to to uh, to do that to me. And right. Same thing with the brother. Why would you do this to your sister? If you want to have sex with my friend, why don't you guys go somewhere and do it? Why do you do it in my bed on my birthday? Do it the more appropriate way. But the 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 new relationship, you you not being in the wedding, you don't want to be in the wedding because you feel that she took advantage of your relationship, not because she cheated on her boyfriend. Stop being a hero. Hey, everybody. I just want to thank Savario Guerra for coming on the podcast. He was an amazing guest. Such a cool opportunity to have him at this point in his life. I mean... As he said, uh, this role is the role of his lifetime, and tonight on HBO is the season finale of Curb. So you got a very special episode of the J Train Podcast. Uh, The end of our interview got cut off. I apologize. We are dealing with new technology and just a new situation, as you can all understand. So going forward, we're getting better. We're getting sleeker. We're getting faster. So we're going to have guests coming at you, all video, all YouTube. Go check it on YouTube and subscribe. Thank you again to Savario. And keep pushing it out to friends. Keep telling coworkers and friends and brothers and sisters, anyone you're Zooming with, we're going to be back with more guests and more fun opportunities in the future.